1: Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering.
2: For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes lots of other marvellous benefits and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tics.
1: Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings.
2: Here, Here we go.
1: Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy awesome Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? It's part three of the Twits Odyssey. We are deep diving into Roald Dahl's classic. Well, I was going to say children's book, but it's a book for everyone who can manage to tolerate the uh, outpourings of a rancid anti-Semite like Roald Dahl. But it's uh, it's for everyone, the Twits, and that's what we're trying to do here. Because this podcast isn't really for kids, is it?
2: It's fucking mad, really. The Twits. I mean, we've we've spent the first couple of episodes of this just railing against Raul Dull because in recent times it, it's come <laughs> to our attention that he was an awful, awful man. Mm. But having said that, the Twits is a great book, and that's why we find ourselves here. It's that old I mean, thing. Michael Jap- Michael Jackson was a nonce, <laughs> but if you think there are any albums better than Off the Wall, then pff, I'll yeah. fight ya. It's you.
1: It's know that know old what I mean? thing in it: love the art, hate the artist. Yeah. And we do love the twits and we do hate it all dull.
2: And would you put the twits up there in the cultural on the cultural level of Off the Wall?
1: Uh it's probably the off the wall of children's books, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Similar i don't know when it was first published. Off the wall was about nineteen eighty. Seventy
1: nine, wasn't it? Off the wall. This is very similar seven, time. 79,
2: this, was this let's have a look 90, here. Nineteen eighty, 1980, yeah. Well there, there was, was something in the air at the time. <laughs> I bet, I bet, if you do a bit of a search through the picture libraries, you will find a picture of Michael Jackson and Roald Dahl hanging out together Um, in the VIP area of Studio 54.
1: Studio 54. I knew exactly what you were going to see there. Yeah. Yeah. Dahl's helicopter on the roof.
2: With, weirdly, uh, Andy Warhol and Grace Jones as well.
1: (laughs) It was a crazy
2: time. It was a crazy time. Like, Grace Jones was there in the most outrageous fashions. Warhol... I mean, Roald Dahl was working on the Twits at the time. And I remember <laughs> him coming to me and him saying, Michael, Michael, I'm, I'm working on a, a tremendous book about two assholes stuck in a toxic dysfunctional marriage. <laughs> and I said, whoa, that sounds wild, man. I'm working Don't. on a disco pop album. that's going to change the music industry. And, but- it, and we just realized there was so much overlap in our creative thinking in that time.
1: And that night in Studio 54, he came along and I had my monkey with me, Bubbles. And then our relationship cooled a year later or so because the Twits came out and there was a monkey in the story called Muggle Wump. And I thought, "Mm, (laughs) hmm, that monkey's based a little bit on Bubbles. I don't like this. And we had some conversations and our lawyers got involved and we didn't speak after that. It was a sad time.
2: All I was asking for was 15% of (laughs) our royalties associated with the book. And Rob didn't like that. So things declined. But for that brief moment in the late 70s, early 80s, we were so creatively aligned. We talked even him. He was going to do a guest vocal. You <laughs> know, I made Thriller, and we ended up getting Vincent Price to read the scary bit in Thriller. But originally, that was supposed to be Roald doing it. And if you listen to the <laughs> early demos, which Quincy still has in his archive, it's Roald Dahl reading the scary bit. But uh, after we fell out... He withdrew our right to use it, so we had to use Vincent Price. In the Um, end... What's his name? Yeah, go on.
1: In the end, I did get my 15% of the royalties from the twitch and I spent it all on buying up the publishing for Paul McCartney and the Beatles, which ruined another (laughs) relationship with mine. But there you go. That's business. (laughs) You know he did that, didn't (laughs) you?
2: That's business, I suppose. Jackson
1: bought up the fucking Beatles publishing.
2: Yeah, he bought bought the publishing rights to all of them, didn't he? But the thing was, he was spending money he he didn't have. He was yeah. in masses of debt. He, he got carried yeah. away with, like, because Thriller made so much, Ooh. sold so many, he wasn't really listening to his financial advisor. He just heard, all he heard was, you're the richest man in the world and can can afford to do anything or ever. <laughs> and, and so, so I thought I would. They said, well, there, there, there is a limit to your wealth, Michael. Mm. Shut up.
1: Don't say that.
2: <laughs> I'm going to buy all me. the Beatles songs.
1: You just told me I had infinite money, and now you're saying I don't. Ooh.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael Jackson and Roald Dull. Rod Temperton wrote the bit. You know the bit that Vincent Price says in mm-hmm. Thriller, which I'll just quickly look up because I can't remember what he well, says. Rod Temperton sp- was
1: from Yorkshire, wasn't he?
2: He was from he was he was a he was a Grimsby fish filleter. Yeah, he worked in a fish filleting factory in yeah. fucking Grimsby. Yeah, and then and then he was like ah. Oh, have you hear him interviewed? He was hardly ever interviewed, but you can see. Yeah, there is a, a radio show that was made on Radio 2 about 10 years ago or more, mm. where they got a rare interview with him talking about his story.
1: Inside and Rod was, Temperton.
2: And he was like, you know, it's the way he talks. He goes, yeah, so, you know, the only jobs in Grimsby at the time were like, um, it was actually somewhere near Grimsby, like, is it Cleethorpes? I'm not sure. I think it was, anyway,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. And he goes, oh, you know, and so I was fed up with that. But I always liked music. So anyway, I became a session musician. I went <laughs> to Germany, and uh, I was I was working I was working as a session musician. I, I met a lovely bunch of lads who were soldiers, American soldiers. They called themselves <laughs> Heatwave, and <laughs> uh, they they asked me to fill in on keyboards. And I ended up writing a couple of songs for them. Right. <laughs> groove lines and fucking, I mean, the Rod Tempton story is a story that I was trying to make a documentary about for years before he died. And I was trying to make contact with him, which was extremely difficult. I was going
1: to say, did you Um, reach him or not?
2: No, I I had, do you know what I did? I had a letter that I wrote to him, hand delivered to his house in Los Angeles by someone, because he was so difficult to get hold of in terms of yeah. he was just—he was quite reclusive and he didn't like attention.
1: You want to and, deliver it like a summons almost.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was like you're, you've been served papers by Sam Delaney, Britain's best journalist. I wrote my letter saying, please do this. You have to do it. Yeah. It's like the world needs to know. You have to you, do it. I, think,
1: I Sam Delaney, insist. You tell your story to uh, the world.
2: But if you think about it, I thought to myself, he it, uh, when he was still alive, I think he died about 2016, when he was still alive, he was second only, maybe only to Paul McCartney, maybe the, the Gibbs, in yeah. terms of the amount of records his songs had sold. And yet, mm. most people hadn't heard of him. So, he, you know, anyway, Rod Temperton, we could um, go, we could be here all day talking about Red, Rod Temperton well, and yeah. we will do an episode about him, but yeah. the... Um, um, but
1: b- before the Lampards get involved, I'll, I'll add that Cleethorpes isn't in Yorkshire, it's in Lincolnshire. You know, because that's the kind it. of thing, um, that,
2: yeah, the uh, fucking yeah. The other day, I said one. Shakespeare wrote *The Tale of Two Cities*. Oh, I was God, only yeah, a few centuries yeah. out on that one.
1: Yeah, do well, we, you know we said communication it. about that? Correcting us on that from someone. Oh well, yeah,
2: I know. It's I know. Hell.
1: I tell you what. I know. I, I tell you what. I didn't even respond. Because I
2: thought to myself, well, why doesn't he just sack himself as a listener? Because he should know. Yeah,
1: that yeah.
2: that's not on.
1: If you want to fucking get in touch about every, every little detail that we, we happen to get wrong on this podcast, also get in touch with every little detail that enhances your life or that you like or that you think's really good. Tell us everything God. good if you, you're going to tell us everything that's wrong.
2: You, you wouldn't have time, would you? If, if you, were gonna, if you? if you were going to correct all the factual inaccuracies on this podcast, it would be a full-time job. <laughs> I mean, almost nothing we say is factually correct, to be fair. Uh, anyway, the bit where he goes, um, I'm just looking for the bit that he goes, in ghostly galls, the midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorise your neighbourhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down. <laughs> I've never oh, noticed oh, that lyric before. Fantastic. <laughs> Must stand and face the So what he's saying is, if you're not, up for getting down then you must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell not
1: unreasonable not unreasonable if you're not up for getting down then fuck off listen we're having a fucking
2: disco and if you're the sort of cunt who's gonna sit around saying oh I don't like dancing just sitting there supping your (laughs) ale right then I'm afraid you're gonna have to face the hounds of fucking hell that's right. Mad demonic dogs are going to fucking rip you to shreds. That's how... That's what the stakes are in. And there is no but,
1: appeals process, so do not attempt to try and question me. He got I, a taxi... I'm, I'm God.
2: He got a taxi over to... He um, got a taxi over to Quincy Jones's studio... Quincy Jones knew Vincent Price's wife for some reason. Right. And he's gone, "Ah, it's Quincy Jones. We need to get someone to do a real scary voice. Uh, (laughs) Michael Jackson's new hit single. Um, And uh, your husband, I seen him in all those scary, spooky movies. (laughs) And they said, all right, yeah, he'll come down. He'll come down for an hour. Right. (laughs) So They said, great, get him down. So he's turned up and Rod Templeton is on his way from the hotel to Quincy Jones studio in a taxi which when you hear Quincy Jones being interviewed about it, he finds hilarious because in LA, apparently no one gets taxis. They all have go, This guy, this British guy with the funny voice, he didn't even have a car. I can't, He was in a taxi coming over. <laughs> right, laughing his head off. And he's like, Rod Tempton's like, yeah, well, I got a call. And I said, look, <laughs> Vincent Price is coming over to the studio today. And you got to have him say something all spooky-like, you know, like it's a voiceover from a spooky film. Have you got anything? And I thought, well, I've got nothing. I'd only just finished writing the lyrics to Thriller,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he goes, so I got in the cab, and I just had a pen and a notepad, and I wrote it on the way over. And he literally wrote it in the back of the cab, got there, tore t- 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 the piece of paper off the notepad, and gave it to Vincent hey, Price. read this. <laughs> yeah. Pricey boy. Yes. <laughs> I want you to read this. <laughs> yes. Read this. At the end, when Michael, when Michael, <laughs> Michael stopped his singing, you read you this out in. and then fuck off. <laughs> what a is that collection running? of lunatics! Right. It's fifty quid. Michael Jackson's there. <laughs> a, we'll keep it fucking waiting. <laughs> we got enough fucking dough, haven't we? Ask Quincy. He'll, he's the one handling the Quincy, cash.
1: Quincy, Quincy'll take it out of petty cash. Uh,
2: Quincy, where's the petty cash? This spooky cunt. He's fucking taking forever. My, cab, my cabby needs more dough to hang about because I've got to get back to hotel. I've There's got, got right fucking
1: that metal box over there in the corner. has got "Thriller Petty Cash" written on it on a label.
2: How much is in it? There should be forty, but between forty and fifty dollars. Because we got a takeaway last night, right? <laughs> we had to get to, we had to get a Chinese sent over because we weren't
1: late.
0: Oh, we had to every pay album,
1: cash, does every album yeah. that gets me have a petty cash tin?
0: Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> yeah, I
1: hope so. they should all be on eBay. Now you can buy the petty cash tin from Thriller. <laughs> Fucking <laughs>
2: we forty thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Fucking hell though what a collection that was that day. You got Michael Jackson in his singing booth. Then you got Quincy Jones, who let's be honest is fucking off his rocker. I don't know if you read any of those interviews that Quincy Jones did a couple of years ago. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, the man, the man is a lunatic yeah. genius. And um and then uh and then you got uh, Look, Quincy Jones when he talks about his childhood, said they were so poor, he literally ate rats. Fucking we were so poor out. our mother would send us down to the river and we'd just catch rats and we'd kill them with a brick and then eat them <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell uh, anyway uh, they got Vincent Price the spooky cunt from all the scary films yeah. Michael Jackson Quincy Jones and fucking Rod Temperton the fish filleter from Cleethorpes right, who's turned the, up with his spooky lyrics <laughs> When he uh, talks about in this documentary, he goes, Quincy Jones, I've been in Heatwave for a while. We'd had a few hits, right? Um, and he goes, uh, oh, I've got a call one day. And they said, it's Quincy Jones. I thought it was a wind-up, Quincy Jones. He got through, he <laughs> said, um, he goes, it's Quincy Jones here. I've been asked to make Michael Jackson's next solo album. And I am looking for songs. I like the work you've done on uh, for Heatwave would you like because he wrote Boogie Nights Boogie Nights I mean a man from Cleethorpes who'd worked in a fish factory I've got this song it's called Boogie Nights (laughs)
0: Boogie Nights and
2: always and forever anyway he's gone so he said I tell you what write us three songs right and I'll pick the best one so I said alright I'll give it a crack so I went off and wrote three songs. I sent it to him. He used all three. That's what he says. He says it like that. He goes, he used all three of them. We've no, was a six. <laughs> Literally how he talks. It's fucking incredible.
1: I'm trying to see if I can find it. It doesn't seem to be on YouTube. There's a 1981 interview with him, with Robbie Vincent. But I can't find the the Radio 2 one, which is a tragedy. It will be it's... out
2: of some because I heard it about five years ago. I found it on YouTube, I think. It
1: might still be on BBC Sounds, I don't know. Uh, Rod Temperton Radio 2.
2: Yeah, I got in touch with the bloke who made the documentary. Uh, can con- and get the a tier t- w- over. I wanna Yeah, I will. I said I wanna make a TV documentary about this cunt. I wanna what, do what uh, you've done.
1: It, All this hard work you've put pictures. in right to make this oh, yeah. radio documentary. I want that. But I'm gonna do it on the telly. With no, faces I, offered and everything. Him,
2: I offered him like a job on it. I said, "Do you want to team up on this, and we'll do it? Mm. And he went, oh, it's a fucking nightmare because he j- he won't talk to anyone. He's a fucking recluse. He's like J D. Salinger of disco music. <laughs> He's <laughs> just holed it. up in his fucking amazing mansion in Hollywood."
1: The Invisible Man, uh, the Wood Temperton story. It's on. It was on. That's uh, it. Fucking hell, hasn't been on for years. Hmm. Okay. Something to look forward to. Uh, I'll try and dig for... out the
2: email so the bloke who can get it over to me, and then we'll make we'll point the plants in the right direction because I can tell you it's fucking life changing. And don't forget, I mean, the other songs that he wrote. It wasn't just those. It wasn't just heatwave and Michael Jackson. I mean, fuck me. He wrote. I think he wrote um, George Benson. Give me the night.
1: I'm just looking on his Wikipedia now. He wrote um, Michael, uh, Michael McDonald's Sweet Freedom which is a classic. Yeah. Y'all more be there. James Ingram and Mike my more be there. Yeah. Um, and what else?
2: On Off the Wall, he wrote Rock With You and Off the Wall and Burn This Disco Out. Mm-hmm. Those were the three songs. He wrote Stomp by the Brothers Johnson. I mean, he wrote he? about half of my all-time top 20 songs. Yeah, oh, we're going to stomp all night. Oh, yeah, damn. light me up. Um, give Me give me The Night by George Benson Fucking hell, just give me the night uh, I mean well, Herbie hey. Hancock Getting to The Good Part Donna Summer Love Is In Control Thriller A, a little song called Thriller Baby Be Mine Which is my favourite song on Thriller He wrote that The Lady In My Life You Will Always be, That's probably my second favourite song on that album
0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Jalapeño.
1: This
2: bloke, I'm not even exaggerating when I'm doing the impression of the way he talks. Yeah, so, you know, I was approached by Donna Summer and she <laughs> said, can you write me a disco <laughs> hit? And I said, I'll give it a go. i right. got
1: me penny. here, Spacking hang on. Give me they, that
2: one. These are the most soulful fucking songs of all time. It's fucking <laughs> incredible, right? Anyway, and when you see him perfor- when you see him performing with Heatwave, just lastly, that's really funny as well because Heatwave was a band made up of like U.S. Marines, mm. right, who were stationed in Germany, and in their spare time they would play in a band, right, a sort of a soul disco band, and he literally just got a gig filling in one night but he's like they're all really cool looking they're all black right Mm. and they're all american and they're all strapping soldiers and he is this quite unhealthy looking bloke from lincolnshire right Mm. white skinny pop marked face and they ask him to come in it was in the days when disco acts all wore sort of matching jumpsuits in snazzy colors with glitter on and he's in one of those at playing the keyboards and He's just so out of place. They're all dancing around. He's there. But he was the guy who turned them from an also ran band into a fucking chart-topping band because he went, oh, I've written a few songs on my own. After a few weeks, he went, I've written a few songs on my own if you're interested in recording. They said, okay, <laughs> let us have a look. It's fucking Boogie Nights.
1: Yeah, the documentary is on Mixcloud in two parts. So I'll try and remember to put the links out for that. I'll just go on Mixcloud yeah. and just search Invisible Man Rod Temperton. Do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Best thing you could do, really. For fuck's sake. Right. So the Twits. Where were we up to? Uh,
2: The Frog. They're at a bit with the Frog.
1: It's the Frog. Yeah. So she's dropped the glass eye in his beer. He's fucked off by that. He's decided he's going to put a frog in her bed. And of course we decided, Mm -hmm. we we talked about them um, having separate beds. We covered all that in the last episode. So... Mr. Twit caught a big frog down by the pond and carried it back secretly in a box as he doing?
2: going to carry this frog back secret in this box so, what's in the so box fucking,
1: fucking
2: nothing uh, is it really hard it's one of the hardest animals to keep a secret isn't it a frog <laughs> unpredictable it's got to be a
1: box with a very tight lid but don't forget to put air holes in it as well boys and girls exactly
2: I hope it doesn't fucking suffocate
1: yeah um Always put air holes in all your boxes. Doesn't matter what you keep in them, just in case. Yeah. Uh, that night Mrs. Twitter's in the bathroom getting ready for bed. Uh so she doesn't like the wooden dress in front of him. She goes to the bathroom to do that. Uh, yeah. he keep
2: slipped... your fucking Brian eyes off me arse, you dirty bugger.
1: <laughs> Don't go get the ideas, you scruffy cunt. <laughs> um he slipped the frog between her sheets, then he got into his own bed and waited for the fun to begin. She came back and climbed into her bed and put out the light. She lay there in the dark, scratching her tummy. Her tummy was itching, it says. Dirty old hags like her always have itchy tummies. What a sentence, Mr. Doll. (laughs) Dirty old hags like her always have itchy tummies. Fucking hell. Uh, Then all at once she felt something cold and slimy crawling over her feet. She screamed. What's the matter with you, Mr. Twit said. Help! <laughs> Help! <laughs> Mrs. Twit bouncing about. There's something in my bed! I'll, <laughs> he says, I'll bet it's that giant skilly wiggler I saw on the floor just now. <laughs> Mr. says a, a giant <laughs> skilly wiggler. What the fuck's a skilly wiggler? The what? She screamed. He says, I tried to kill it, but I got away. It's got teeth like <laughs> screwdrivers. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: uh, so uh, he's making you no should see the her.
2: picture that Quentin Blake has drawn yeah. of him as well he's in yeah. bed with his big beard hanging out the duvet the and he's just got he's got this right like, shifty smirk on his face yeah. as well so he's looking at her freaking out and he's like oh wow I wonder what that is how did that get there
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he says i tried to kill her but it got away did he fuck and he says uh, she says help Save me, it's all off of my feet. He goes, it'll bite off your toes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he tried to kill it previously.
1: He knows now where it is, apparently. He's making no effort to help. He's just going, ah, oh, your toes are gone. Say bye-bye to your toes, oh, love.
2: Yeah. Kiss goodbye, toes. I you don't fucking
1: use them much. <laughs> it's a fucking skilly wiggler. it them all mm-hmm. off. And then she fainted. Um, Mr. Twit got out of bed and fetched a jug of cold water, which he pours all over Mrs. Twit's head to revive her. The frog crawled. Yeah, this will wake you up. <laughs> a jug of water. <laughs> See this in the movies. Mm-hmm. The frog crawls up from under the sheets to get near the water and started to jump about on the pillow. Frogs love water, says Roald Dahl. This one was having a good time. <laughs> what can I put about the frog? Ah, oh, it loves water. It's having a good time. Whatever.
0: Frog's not important. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm not going to go into a big one about the frog. I mean, a frog's a frog. The kids can fill in the gaps in their fucking heads. <laughs> Started jumping about, you know, it's a jumper. Water.
1: Yeah, hop-hop. Uh, when Mrs. Twit came to, the frog had just jumped on her face and then it, it, it stated the obvious again. This is not a nice thing to happen to anyone in bed at night. Uh, true. Uh, she screamed again. And mm. uh, Mr. Twit... Fucking weirds thing again. By golly, it is a giant skilly wiggler, he says. It'll bite off your nose. As well as your toes. Uh, Mrs. Twit leapt out of bed and flew downstairs and spent the night on the sofa. The frog went to sleep on her pillow.
2: So, it looks really happy, that frog, doesn't it?
1: Doesn't it? It's having a nice sleep.
2: But people always think, I mean, a frog, a maligned animal. Mm. You know, because no one, I don't want to see it I I don't know how many dealings you've had with frogs but one time in my old house it was pissing down with rain and I'm sure there'll be hunters who've had similar experiences because I've heard a few and I we went out in the hallway I think my daughter went out and she screamed and there was a big it might have even been a toad because it was a fat cunt Mm. and it was just there in our hallway no one knew how the fuck it had got in because the door hadn't been open and no one knew what it was doing there. and it was sat there Just perfectly still. Because it was probably shitting itself, thinking, where the fuck am I?
1: I'm supposed to
2: be on a lily pad in a fucking pond, not Mm. in this suburban household. Do you know what I mean?
1: Or riding an old old jalopy around a country estate.
2: Exactly. What am I doing doing here? This is shit. The floor's made out of wood. It smells (laughs) of chips. There's fucking. I can hear the X Factor playing on telly. This is not the way the way of the frog. This is this not an actual frog, frog environment. This is a shit human life. But I've got to get out of here. But unfortunately, I'm fucking frozen still with my nerves now. <laughs> um, but I got this morning. Me,
1: to do a nice day's frogging. All was going well, yeah. and now this. How do oh, I get this out of is this?
2: Awful. They're so probably could, gonna fucking thank fuck I'm not in France or the cons would be killing and eating me. Calping
1: my legs off. They'll, they, probably, um, they'll probably put me in a box with no fucking air holes in it next. They they uh
2: they, they run about um frogs turn up a lot when it pisses down with rain. My cousin reckons that it pissed down with rain for twenty four hours solid mm. and he walked into his conservatory area in his house, like right. the extension bit, mm-hmm. and the, he reckons there was about hundred frogs in there. What? Yeah. 100? They're all jumping around. He didn't fucking know how they'd got there. Don't know. They That's just the start. Im- they appear when it rains heavily. They appear and, and they seem to be able to. I mean, you'll think I'm joking, but they. I do think that they, they seem able to, like, pass through. Pass solid, through walls.
0: Solid yeah, I think they can. But
2: they, they use osmosis or something. I think they can spongy. do that.
1: Yeah. Shipshifters, perhaps.
2: Well, if it, if it if it rains a lot, a frog can gain access to your property, and I bet you any money that companies will be in touch telling me similar stories.
1: Yeah, I wonder if frogs are actually in the rain clouds, and they get you know, raining cats and dogs is actually cockney rhyming yeah. slang for frogs. <laughs> yeah,
2: be, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean that, that's right. Actually, that we could were be in true. Um,
1: we were in Florida in twenty fourteen, I think it was, and in the hotel room one day, went into the bathroom. And there, just sitting in the bottom of the shower, baby frog, which had come up, presumably, you through the shower drain. How? Mm. No fucking idea. But there you go. Frogs.
2: Okay. God's mysteries. Yeah, they are. Raining frogs. It's raining birds and frogs. Animal phenomena are surprisingly common. Right? Here we go. Um. This is in... Let me just see. Raining Frogs, immortalising the scene in Paul Thomas Anderson's film Magnolia.
1: Oh, yeah. Famously yeah. long,
2: pretentious film. Yeah. Uh, the, the explanation behind Raining in Frogs is similar to that fish. In another fairly common occurrence, horrified residents of Racks of Flava, Hungary, home of my mm. in laws, where strange things happen constantly. Where Hungary, the country where fucking strange is the normal, is the normal. Right. <laughs> um, Received a frog shower in a thunderstorm last June. In the Bible's book of Exodus, well, God cast down a rain of frogs on the Egyptians. Here, yeah, have that. For their refusal to free the Israelites. Free the fucking Israelites, or see what happens. Right, I've warned you. Here comes some fucking frogs out of the sky.
1: Bof! There it is.
2: (laughs) Leading to it becoming a popular narrative device when exploring themes of forgiveness and redemption, such as in Magnolia. Right, the explanation uh, of fish coming out. When winds are strong enough, particularly in thunderstorms, small whirlwinds and mini tornadoes can form, which Mm. pick up a fish or a frog when travelling over water, carrying them for miles before dropping the peculiar cargo on top of baffled populations. (laughs) That is amazing, isn't it?
1: Peculiar Cargo. That's a Steely Dan album, isn't it? I think that's Steely Dan's fourth album, Peculiar Cargo.
2: Ah, We are Peculiar Cargo. (laughs) (laughs) They're a great 1970s yacht rock band, Peculiar Cargo, aren't they?
1: So, where are we? Um, This is
2: one of the most famous and best chapters next, The Wormy Spaghetti. Everyone remembers this one, don't they?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's two and a half pages long as well three illustrations in it
2: he's he's really gone to town
1: the next day to get him back she goes out in the garden digs up some worms which in itself Mm. is not easily done Um, she's put a shift in here she chose big long ones and put them in a tin carried the tin back to the house under her apron more secrets between the two of them Uh, at one o'clock she cooked spaghetti for lunch and she mixed in the worms with the spaghetti but only on her husband's plate the worms didn't show because everything was covered with tomato sauce and sprinkled with cheese. I usually imagine I'm eating worms when I eat spaghetti. Is
2: that I mean, what you think about? Yeah,
1: that's what I think. Yeah, it enhances it for me. Yeah, it me. wouldn't
2: put me off. I've always oh. thought worms do look quite um, very juicy. Tasty. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah. There is a song, isn't there? Think I'll go and eat worms. Is there? Yeah. Mm. It goes. It goes something like, "Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go and eat worms." <laughs>
1: What's new to me?
2: It's by someone with very low self-esteem.
1: Yeah. So, um, hey, my spaghetti's moving, cried Mr. Twit, poking it around in it with his fork. She explains this by saying, it's a new kind. It's called yeah. squiggly spaghetti. It's delicious. Ooh. Eat it up while it's nice and hot. Fucking get it Beat down here, you, up, you, you col- cunt. <laughs> <And> he <laughs> he does. doesn't
2: give a shit. He's he so does. greedy. Yeah. I mean, I'd uh, fall for something like that, because I, I eat quite, like, I'm a greedy eater. You
1: just eat anything that's put in front of you, will you?
2: If dinner's been around me, I will just demolish it. At, <laughs> I'll eat first, think later.
1: <laughs> uh, he starts eating, twisting the long tomato-covered strings around his fork and shoveling him in his mouth. Soon there was tomato sauce all over his hairy chin. Well, he'll, he'll lick that off later on, won't he? Mm. It's not as good as the ordinary kind, he said, talking with his mouth full. It's too squishy. She says, I find it very tasty. He says, I find it very bitter. It's got a distinctly bitter flavour. Buy the other kind next time. Fucking hell. Bite yourself, you cunt. And then she waits till he's eaten the whole plateful and she says, You want to know why your spaghetti was squishy? And he wipes <laughs> the tomato sauce <laughs> from his beard. Why? And why it had a nasty bitter taste? Why? <laughs> he said, Because it was worms, cried Mrs. Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> get in there clapping her hands and stamping her feet on the floor and rocking with horrible laughter she's look absolutely there, delighted Sam. look at his he's, fucking he face he can't
2: believe it he's been rocked to his very core he's he not has. angry he's just alarmed well, and she is fucking pissing herself
1: mm. you know in the cold light of day he won't be that bothered will he he's eating some worms I'm sure he's eating worse
2: it's all natural but, um, I don't mean you'd get yeah. ill from eating worms. I mean, protein, in
1: it? She cooked them, I think, didn't she? So it's all right. It's all good. So there we are. Um, we'll leave it there because the, after that, the next chapter is the funny walking stick. Another very memorable
2: one. We're getting right memorable. into the meat of the book now, aren't we? Yeah. These are the things that people remember. This is really like... People say gaslighting was introduced... Culturally, by the film Gaslight, which I think was from the 1940s, mm. but in that, or it's a play, I think, um, and then it became a film, right? But actually, I think what really popularized Gaslighting was the twins. Was the wasn't, twit, it?
1: wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, all dolls behind it.
2: So, but listen, don't gaslight in real life. It's awful. Don't gaslight your life partner or anyone else. No. I've seen it done, and it's not nice. Exactly. I was accused of it last year because. Uh, we employed a pipsqueak to um, do some work for us
1: yes I'm familiar with this story he
2: didn't turn up properly (laughs) because he was a fucking millennial who doesn't turn up for weird fucking reasons and just didn't fucking do the job so in the end we said listen you let us down really badly so we're not going to leave you in the lurch but there's no way we can pay you the full amount because you had the right piss next thing you know He said, you're gaslighting me.
1: (laughs) You're trying to send me mad.
2: (laughs) We're not, mate. We're just not paying you properly because you didn't do the job properly. That's not gaslighting. That's just fucking capitalism.
1: There's the email where we told you where to be at a certain time for how long. And there's Hmm. you emailing us back saying you weren't there. You didn't go. So that's not gaslighting. You weren't there because you were having a a kip
2: or you had an headache. Or you decided it wasn't necessary. Uh, But anyway, here's. I still want the money. Yeah, so. I had a you headache. Know, you got to watch out.
1: I had a headache because I was gaslighted by somebody else.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, I now locked in a gaslit, a gaslighting circle. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right, that's it from this one. Back with more next week. Uh, thanks for listening. TTFN, Dickheads.
2: See you, Dickheads. Bye.